Evening, everyone. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, my name is Luther. If we haven't met before, and uh, if you normally aren't, uh, you don't normally come to church in the bank. Uh, you're here to uh, uh, listen to what uh, Dr. Megan Best, who's our, our guest tonight, has to say. Uh, really warm welcome to you. Uh, what I'm going to do for the next 10-15 uh, minutes is just sort of remind us of where we've been in our series over the last couple of weeks, and sort of introduce. Uh, uh, a couple of extra ideas, and then um, we'll have a little bit of a break, and then uh, I'm going to have a bit of a question time with um, Dr. Best. But why don't I pray, and we'll think about uh, this topic together. Let's pray. Um, our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. Father, we thank you that your word uh, teaches us how we're to think about life in this world. Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, who was, who was truthful and loving in the way that he presented the truth, but never shied away from uh, speaking in a way uh, that pointed us towards uh, how we're to live uh, in your world. And Father, we pray that you would give us uh, graciousness uh, with each other tonight, that we would be careful in the way that we talk amongst each other. Uh, but at the same time, Father, we, we would be unafraid to uh, stand for the truth. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would be with all of us, uh, that you'll comfort any of the anxieties of our hearts that come with thinking about the ethics that surround the beginning and end of human life. And Father, you give me sensible words to say, and I pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. It's true, I don't know if you've seen this slogan before, uh, keep your rosaries off my ovaries. Uh, for the last sort of 30 years, it's been a little bit of um, a cry that's been used by um, pro-abortion advocates to sort of uh, talk about these things. It was, it was raised uh, just a few years ago when Tony Abbott said that he objected to the introduction of RU486, uh, the abortion drug. And, and really, uh, the placard is just a really clever way of saying, uh, just keep your religion, so rosaries being the, the sort of prayers that Roman Catholics say, uh, keep, keep your religion away from ethics, keep your religion away from these topics. Basically, don't introduce what Jesus has to say in any of the debates surrounding the beginning and the end of human life. And it's a provocative way to do it. And when lots of us see placards like that, which you may agree with or you may disagree with, uh, what do we do? Like, how do we actually enter into discussions surrounding the ethics of the beginning and end of human life? And it's true, isn't it, that uh, Christians have had a pretty long history of saying how we think society should be run. Uh, we're pretty used to that. Uh, the reason for that is, is that we're a pretty opinionated sort of bunch and uh, mostly because of what uh, this book has done to us actually. Uh, this book sort of changes the way that we think about God, it changes the way that we think about the world, it changes the way that we think about how we should treat each other. And so generally lots of us after years of being shaped by this book, we, what matters to us starts to change. Like how we think our society should be shaped starts to change. And so what happens? Well, all of a sudden we're in conversations and we're in conversations with friends at school and at uni and at work and, and different topics come up to us that really matter to us. Like it matters to us how the unborn and the elderly are treated. It matters to us how environment is treated. It matters to us about having the freedom of religion, that we can talk about Jesus openly. It matters to us what happens to people that come to Australia by boat. These things matter to us and we start wanting to talk about it. But the trouble is, is that sometimes when you know, people get wind of our background, that we 
are followers of Jesus and that our thinking is shaped by the Bible, uh, we're often told, no, 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 your opinion should not, don't bring, don't impose your values on me. In other words, keep your rosaries off my ovaries is the powerful way to say it. And, and pretty, that's a fairly ironic thing to say given that all of, our, all of us have a worldview when we have an opinion about something, don't we? We all sort of impose it onto each other. We all do that. Um, those often that we may disagree with uh, don't realise it, but every one of us has our own Bible. It may not be this one, but every one of us has a reason for the opinions that we have and the reason why we impose them on other people. But what do you do when someone blurts out over lunch, they'll say something like this perhaps. If we really loved those who were terminally ill, then we'd give them the choice when they might end their life, wouldn't we? And so as a Christian, what do you say? Well, some Christians say, well, hang on a second, we're a Christian nation. We shouldn't even be having this discussion. We started out as a Christian nation 200-odd years ago, and the people who came on the first fleet, whether they were free settlers or criminals, in fact, even the criminals shared this worldview. We started off as a Christian nation, and we're not imposing anything on anyone. This is the nation that we agreed to be. So that's it. Then other Christians would say, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. How could you say that Australia is a Christian nation? I mean, it's 2013. The vast majority of Australians don't love the Lord Jesus like we do. They don't share our view that the Bible is authoritative in these things. And so we think that there's not much point in trying to impose our laws and trying to change people by changing the laws of our nations. That's just a waste of time. Because what we're on about as a church is changing people's hearts by proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus not forcing laws on people who aren't Christians. So what do you do? There's two groups, right? And I think the vast majority of us probably sitting in this room probably fit into the second camp. right? We're pretty active in evangelism. Given the opportunity, we love telling people about Jesus and what he's done and seeing their hearts changed by him. But when it comes to politics or any of these sort of issues, we go a bit quiet. Uh, I was wondering about this the other day. I was chatting to a mate, and uh, he's not a Christian, and he's very passionate at the moment about the, what's happening in the Bangladeshi factories. You, you know what's going on there, about how where lots of our shirts and shorts and jeans and different things are made, and we've worked out that in those factories, abuse is happening of workers. Not only are they not paid very well, but they're being abused by their employers. And as a result in the media, uh, Rivers and Coles and Kmart and Target have been embarrassed because they realised that the clothes that we're buying from there come from there. And my friend, he was passionate about this. And I agree with him. And as I was chatting to him, I was trying to work out, how do I do this? How do I agree with him but also shift the conversation towards Jesus? Because I wanted to do that. But of course, that's our key goal, right? Our key target, our key role as Christians is to persuade people of the truth about Jesus that we find in the gospel, right? And the Bible, doesn't it say heaps about not trying to use laws to change people because laws can't change people, can they? I mean, it doesn't work. And besides, if people don't think a law is a good idea, then they won't sign up to it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, hands up if you've jaywalked recently. Right? Yeah. 
Now, you know that jaywalking is illegal, right? You know that you're not meant to cross other than at a specific crossing or at the lights, right? And that all of you are lawbreakers, right? And me. Do you know the reason why we do it? It's because we're not convinced that the law actually makes any sense whatsoever. We don't actually think it's a good idea, and so we just decide to break it willy-nilly, yeah? And so isn't this the same? A law will not change people's hearts, so why do we even talk about these things? The problem is, I think, is that as Christians we sort of think, actually, no, we should be doing more than that. What are we supposed to do when God changes the way that we feel about things? I mean, we love our communities and we want what's best for them. What are we meant to do? I mean, our neighbours generally find it pretty easy to love things that aren't good. And generally they need sometimes another friend to come and remind them of the fact that the way that they're living isn't exactly healthy. I mean, there are lots of blind spots in our society that we want to say no to. And sometimes people even agree with us. But I think the Bible often points us towards living in a sort of subversive way. You know, like a, in a way that subtly sort of disrupts the way that our friends think and unsettles them a bit by our example. I mean, the classic Old Testament subversive was who? It was Daniel. You know, Daniel lives in obedience to the Babylonian king. But then in the way that he prays and the way that he eats and the way that he talks, he rattles King Nebuchadnezzar's cage, doesn't he? And Jesus, doesn't he use the same sort of idea when he says this in Matthew chapter 5? He uses this metaphor about us as Christians, the way that we might live. He says to us, you are the light of the world. That's us. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. Basically, that's saying that when we live like a city on the hill, sometimes people see the way that we live, and they can't help but be attracted by the way that we live, such that verse 16 happens. Jesus says, In the same way, friends, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And Jesus did that. He attracted people to his Father by treating people in a way that no one had expected. I mean, he was at a banquet, right? And the Pharisees had invited him to this banquet. And Jesus had noticed how at the banquets of the Pharisees that the important people always took the best seats. And so what does Jesus do? Someone can change the slide for me. Here we go. He says this in Luke 14. He said to the one who had invited him, When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbours, because they might invite you back, and you would be repaid. In other words, that's the easy thing to do. But Jesus says, on the contrary, verse 13, when you host a banquet, in other words, when you have someone round to your house for lunch, Invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you'll be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And you know what? The thing about Jesus is that he didn't just talk about loving the marginalised, which we're normally pretty good at doing. He actually did it. And he chose to eat eat with people that surprised people and taught them things about his kingdom that people didn't realise. 
The way that we live can change the way that our society thinks if we do that. But sometimes, God calls us to do more than that, I think, to ramp it up a bit. God calls on us to not just be subversive or to sort of basically attract people to Christianity by the way that we live, to unsettle them, to live in a different way. He actually calls on us to expose our society when it is doing things that are unhealthy, doesn't he? I mean, Paul uses the light metaphor, but in a different way in Ephesians 5. Have a look at this. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Now sometimes it's really difficult for the church to do that. Why is that? Well, because sometimes we've been involved in darkness ourselves. It's very hard to expose darkness when the church has been involved in darkness. But sometimes God calls on us to blow the whistle and to openly challenge our society and what it is doing. And we do so humbly, but we do it boldly as well, don't we? I mean, sometimes the things that are done in secret are so shameful that we don't even want to talk about them. And as those who walk in the light, Paul's saying, don't just avoid the fruitless works of darkness. No, humbly expose them. And when we expose them, we expose them as people who've been exposed ourselves, yeah? We're all sinful. And but for the grace of God, we would all be involved in the darkness that Paul is talking about. But shouldn't we expose how the vulnerable in our society, who are made in the image of God and who are precious to him, they're not being treated with the dignity they they deserve? Like the very old and the very young? Don't we need to expose the way that our society is mistreats them? Now, will we be popular doing that? No. But who said being popular was what God calls us to be? But we also have to be really good at explaining why we think differently about things. That's why I'm so glad that Dr. Best is with us tonight um, because she'll help us to know how to go from the discussions that we have at lunchtime through to the truth of the Bible on these really important issues. So I'm really glad that she's here. Because as Christians, we shouldn't, aren't we really good at saying, don't do that? Aren't us Christians, aren't we great at that? But we're not so good at saying, actually, there's a better way of doing this. And I think Megan will help us with this. Because the most powerful way, and I'll finish with this, the most powerful way that we can reach out to our community, I think, is not just talking a big game, like it's the state of origin and you're New South Wales and then you don't deliver, right? But actually, by playing a big game, we actually do something about these things. Like as a community here, that we so love and support mums and dads and their unborn children, that we become the sort of community that they would want to welcome a child into, no matter how that child came to be. 
And we become the sort of community that so loves the elderly and the ill, that dignifies them in such a way that they would not want to think in any way that they're ever past their use-by date and that they're an unwanted burden on us. See, because we can't just say to our society, don't have abortions and don't ask for euthanasia. We actually have to be the sort of community that makes those choices really unattractive. And if we do that, then perhaps Jesus' words when he said, if you do these things, people will see your good works and will glorify my Father, that just might happen. People see how we live, they'll want to find out about Jesus, and they'll end up glorifying his dad. Um, I'm glad Megan's here. I'm going to pray for tonight, um, and then we'll keep going. Let's pray. Um, our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us as Christians to be salt and light, that you've called us to be like a city on a hill. Father, we pray that we would live lives that are so uh, attractive in the way that we treat the vulnerable, uh, that people would one day come and want to glorify you. They'd be attracted by our way of life and want to find out about the Lord Jesus and his glorious gospel. Uh, Father, we also pray that you would give us great wisdom of working out how to expose the fruitless works of darkness. Uh, Father, help us to expose them in a way that's humble. Help us to expose them in a way that's truthful. And help us to expose things in a way that offers a better way to go about it. Uh, help us, Father, as Christians to not be just those who say no to what our society offers up, um, but to show our society that there is a better way. Uh, and Father, we pray this uh, in the great name of Jesus. Amen.